have some fun today? That was a rhetorical question because the answer is clearly yes. What's up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. My guest today is one of the most crazy genius minds that I have come across in Nashville. He's the co-creator of Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales, I said it, and the voice of the beloved, are you ready for this? Larry the Cucumber. I mean, never before in history has a vegetable stepped into our homes and into our hearts and taught us about Jesus. <laughs> He's been making entertaining and wholesome content for kids since 1993. He created, wrote, and directed most of the extremely popular silly songs with Larry. My personal favorite is Cheeseburger. And he lent his screenwriting and directing talents to VeggieTales episodes, as well as their movies, Jonah and the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. We are the pirates who don't do anything. Come on. All right. He also developed and wrote for 321 Penguins. He's authored a number of VeggieTales books and CD projects. He now serves as assistant professor of film and animation at Lipscomb University. And he co-hosts the weekly podcast called The Bible for Kids. Basically, he spent a long time teaching our kids about Jesus, and I love it. He's always doing it in creative ways. He's got a brand new series that he's developing called The Dead Sea Squirrels. I love it. I love it. I love it. Without further ado, let's go to the story house and into the crazy genius mind of Mike Naraki. Should I refer to you as Professor? <laughs> no. <Mike? laughs> no, you don't need to. You could just call me Mike, man. <laughs> you have many names. I, I could call you Professor Naraki. I could call you my former neighbor. That's right. Well, I feel like you're this creative genius. Maybe I should just refer to you as the CG, the creative genius. <laughs> oh, I man. could call you Larry the Cucumber. You could do that, Matthew. <laughs> that would be totally fine. Oh, I was secretly hoping that you'd launch into that voice at random times throughout our conversation. Sure, yeah, yeah. He's never too far away, man. I'm so glad to hang with you again. Matthew, this is so great. It's been probably five years, five or six years yeah. since we talked. So it's so great to see you. And uh, man, you know, followed you from afar and have always been such a huge fan of your work and, you know, working with you you know, on a silly song, you know, <laughs> it's just one of my favorite, very favorite silly songs of all time, by the way. Oh, so. I listened to it again this morning, knowing uh -huh. that you were coming. And uh -huh. uh, that's actually one of the things that I was excited to talk to you about today, because I've been holding some bitterness, holding a grudge. And it's <laughs> which is really hard for me because I actually sing a song about the importance of forgiveness. And so <laughs> I've you, heard that. <laughs> you are the inspiration for this. No. So one of the highlights of my whole career, okay, I guess we're going to start this interview by talking about me. But, <laughs> well, one of my highlights of my whole career was getting to sing the lead vocal on a VeggieTales Silly song which I've always been a huge fan of, and millions of children around the world. I loved, uh, we're going to talk about your new series, but you made a comment in this promo video that I saw that you're the creator of silly songs that have 
what haunted your oh yeah ha- haunt your dreams into adulthood into adulthood which is <laughs> yeah. so true because i was uh, reading some different things from your bio and just remembering like everything that was mentioned i could sing the melody to <laughs> oh but, that's awesome but i got to sing the lead vocal well do you do you remember the words do you remember the words oh could you sing yeah a little bit now? so yeah. the song was called gated community yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all about larry <laughs> who was playing with the ball and the ball goes over the fence into a gated community and yeah, they don't that... want to help him get his ball back. <laughs> and so I sing, there once was a boy who lived in a house and the house sat under a tree. Am I right? Uh, yeah, right. You're going. <laughs> and his ball went up and the ball went down in the gated community. <laughs> and Am then Larry right? comes out. Can I have my ball? Can you get my ball? I kicked it into a tree. And the ball bounced up. And the ball dropped in to the gated community. <laughs> and then and then me and these three singers who were uh, like, were we residents of the gated community? Yeah, you were residents of the gated community. And, and then there was a janitor too, like a yeah. groundskeeper who kind of got the side eye from the residents when he was picking up trash. And the residents didn't want to help you. Like it, right, right, right. It, we yeah, were yeah. tone deaf. We were just kind of singing. Right. You're so happy about where you lived, you know, and so proud of where you lived. You didn't notice this, this kid who needed his ball. The lyrics went, the, the gated community is where we like to be our clothes are never dirty wait wait wait. Uh, yeah and the lawns are always green (laughs) and when you come to visit you can stand outside and see what a lovely bunch we are in in our gated gated unity (laughs) (laughs) and then it keeps getting faster (laughs) while we ignore larry the cucumber (laughs) and and do you remember who you sang that with with another Matthew, if uh, I remember. Matthew West. Of uh, Matthew se- Ward. I'm sorry, Matthew That's Ward. Right. You're the another other w. Matthew W. Matthew Ward of second chapter of Acts fame. One of the yeah. great singers. He, oh my he sang the high tenor he part. He sang the high, high tenor part. And we were yeah, never yeah. in the same room, but we were yeah. both. Now, here's where I want to, in all seriousness, yeah, get yeah. to my beef with you. <laughs> is that I was so excited to be animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, And this is where I've learned. And ever since then, I've got a team of attorneys to make sure that I have artistic <laughs> control. And it's all because of this one example i didn't think to get final sign off on what type of vegetable i would be animated as but it has scarred me for years and giving oh, me matthew much, i'm so sorry I, I was hoping for like a, a celery stock or uh-huh. yeah yeah, but yeah i went back and i revisited what i was animated as i'm not even sure what kind of vegetable it was it's in the shape of a squash okay but yeah, you, yeah, yeah you animated me as a balding squash like <laughs> vegetable <laughs> i'm just was, curious like how true the, to form are these animation decisions were you looking at my promo pick and then thought, yeah, <laughs> no. he's a squash so no so so that that decision was a creative decision based off of <laughs> the look of a resident of a gated community, not oh, okay. uh, off of Matthew West. Okay. <laughs> so. oh, see, right there, I feel free. There's a, a <laughs> weight's right. been lifted <laughs> off of my shoulders. No, but that was such so, a great so experience. So it's like the, you know, the mid-level executive look, you know, okay. that's, that's kind of what, <laughs> what we're going for. The, the mid-level executive look who's like over the hill. <laughs> yeah, just that squash shape uh, haunts my dreams. So no, but I have just been so excited to talk to you and to like get inside your mind. Okay, so, now we have history 
long before I was asked and given the honor, in all seriousness, it was an honor. I got such a kick out of it, and I wanted to do such a great job. I remember oh, you being did, brought man. in for the silly oh, song. Like, man. This is amazing. And we've gotten to do some other things together since then with the Christmas film and yes, duet with yeah. Amy Grant. Some, yes, some amazing yeah. moments in my career that uh, have been shaped by by <laughs> you in Veggie Tales. But I want to know, like, we go way back to Illinois as well. Yeah. So did you grow up in Illinois? Well, so I moved to Chicago to go to college in 86. Yes. Uh, so my dad was, I'm an Air Force kid. So my dad, you know, was in the Air Force. We moved every three years. So I grew up all over the country and the world. But then I went to a small Bible college up in Minneapolis for a year and a half, which is where I met Phil Vischer. And then Phil was from Chicago. He's from Glen Ellen. But you met Phil Vischer there. Yeah, I met Phil Vischer there. We both grew up huge, like Jim Henson Muppets fans. We both did puppetry. So we met uh, on a puppet team there. Wow. Um, yeah, because that's what you do when you go to college. You join this puppet team to meet girls, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fraternity puppet team. Puppet team. <laughs> I like so. your style, man. <laughs> so, so, but we just had a great time performing. We wrote all our own stuff. We like to say we roamed the Minnesota countryside scaring the Baptists with our puppets. <laughs> and so, um, but we had a great, got to be really good friends. And then he wanted to go to film school eventually. I wanted to go off to medical school. That was my, I want to be a medical missionary. That's what I went to school, you know, initially to do. But Phil ended up, we were going to get an apartment out in LA together and, you know, go pursue our perspective things. But then Phil, who lived, uh, he was from the Chicago area, from Glen Ellen, he landed a summer internship at a video post-production house and they offered him a job. And so he decided, well, hey, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to stay and do this. And so then I'm wondering, well, I don't have a roommate anymore. Well, uh, you know, you know, Phil and I are great friends. I'll move to Chicago and I'll go to school there. And so I ended up moving to Chicago, working odd jobs for a year to get a residency to be able to go to University of Illinois, Chicago with in-state tuition. And then uh, during that year, ended up landing a job the same place Phil worked. And then that's kind of where we came up with the idea for VeggieTales over over the course of the next couple of years while I was in pre-med, graduated from pre-med. And then, you know, we ended up landing funding for the first episode. But in the course of all that, you know, I lived in Chicago for 12 years in the city and then moved out to Downers Grove. um, Which is where I'm from. Which is where you're from uh, in 99 and lived there from 99 to 2004 before we moved out to Nashville. But you were pre-med and then graduated pre-med all while you're coming up with this concept for an animated vegetable? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, so I was, you know, I was on my way to doing that, working in video post at the same time. Phil and I would do these projects, we would take cameras home. And and, and this was a time where, where a lot of this new technology was just emerging, like nonlinear editing and, you know, stuff that you can do on a shoot and edit on an iPhone now, you know, took this really expensive equipment, but we right. had access to it because we were working there. So we would with this company, yeah, yeah. with this company, we would make these little, you know, kind of homespun videos, and then computer animation started to kind of emerge and then um did your bosses know that you were up to that or was that part of your job to actually create content well so no the job was commercial video it was like you know doing you know training videos and you know that kind of stuff so it was pretty boring but the means of production was there and you know we was like okay well we did this really great stuff with puppets you know really creative stuff back in bible college could we combine what we did then you know with this new emerging technology technology of computer animation and that's you know and then with VeggieTales, the idea was, well, we just really needed simple characters with no limbs and no hair and no clothes because computer animation was so limiting that
that that would have been super expensive to do. So really, right? So we just needed you know the simplicity of, a, of, of vegetables as a character. So that's how you landed on vegetables was because of limbs. It was because of limbs. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> that's Phil, because I, I yeah. was going to ask you, and then my follow up question was going to be, okay, and then how does one land on Larry the cucumber? Like how? Yeah, did, like, yeah, where yeah. does that come from? Yeah. How does that happen in your mind? Well, so Phil had animated a candy bar initially. And Whoa, no limbs there either. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. Work. So, and he was married. He got married a few years. Both of our wives' names are Lisa, different Lisas, but, uh, you know, b- the same name. But he, <laughs> uh, Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but his wife, Lisa, who's also the voice of Junior Asparagus, you know, ended up being that. But she saw Phil messing around with, you know, animated candy bar on the screen. She said, I don't think moms are going to appreciate, you know, great values coming from a candy bar, you know, so... The next thing that popped into Phil's mind was, well, maybe a vegetable. You know, they're also, you know, limbless, you know, so that that will work. And at the time, the really early pioneers in computer animation, as you can imagine, was Pixar. But this is predates Toy Story, which was the first animated feature film, which came out in 94 or 95. Yeah. VeggieTales' first episode came out in 93. But John Lasseter had done a number of early experimental films using computer animation with, you know, Tin Toy and Rhett's Dream and The Adventures of Wally B. There was, there was wow. a number of things really kind of exploring how to use computer animation to create characters. Because at that time, the technology was all about flying logos and, you know, just really rigid shapes. But with the work that Lasseter was doing, it's like, wow, you can make these things squishy and lovable. And, you know, it's yeah. just amazing what you could do. So a lot of that was then the, that inspiration for, okay, taking that piece and applying it to, you know, the pieces that, you know, we were dreaming up with doing a show. With your, you're this college stud puppeteer, the ladies are <laughs> flocking to you. I, I want to just go like a, a little further back mm. to go, okay, what was your first love? Like, what were you first drawn to? Was it a musical thing? Was it entertaining people? I can see how it all starts to come together when you and Phil meet and then discover this new animation. But Backing up, where are you first having a light bulb go on? That's such a great question. Yeah, for me, it was early growing up. I loved just making people laugh, entertaining people, kind of being the the cut up. And I remember just feeling such a charge. First, my brother's band, my brother's guitar player, my earliest memory of just kind of the joy of music was they were set up in like some basement or some garage or something playing. And I'd never seen like been that close to live music. <laughs> nice. And I was just like, I just lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> just the joy that That's I cool. felt, you know. Were so, they any good? Probably not. <laughs> I think they were playing Smoke on the Water or something like that. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but um, but uh, they were great to me at that time. So I, that was a palpable like sensation of, wow, I love this. You know, when I first became a Christian in middle school, the church that I was involved with was really into, you know, they did plays and all that sort of thing. And I found a real passion there too. So when just getting involved in, you know, doing a, a musical or a play, singing in the choir, I just loved all of that stuff. And I was also a huge fan of parody music you know dr demento radio hour i don't know if you ever grew up listening to that yeah well and i've but i've done a lot of reading strangely Uh on Uh weird al oh yeah 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 that's where weird al got his start he was really yeah Yeah. that's where he got his start was dr demento yeah Yeah. so i know more of weird al than dr demento so explain so dr demento uh it was a showcase of parody music basically novelty music you know weird al was probably the you know the biggest star of that but it had a a number of artists that he would showcase every sunday night for an hour and i'd never miss it i would love that now i was you know probably for me i loved 
parody and novelty music more than I love like regular music. I just really got yeah, a kick out yeah. of that. So I was always drawn to that and then, you know, would write my own ditties and stuff like that. So I just, I, I love that. And then that worked, you know, obviously it fell really well into puppeting because then you can experiment with that and kind of Phil and I would write stuff. We'd also write little songs and that sort of thing. So it really sounds like it wasn't one thing first. It was kind of this combination of you being the cut up in the family. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Which you said your dad was in the Air Force? My dad was in the Air Force, yeah. So yeah. maybe more of a serious character. Oh, my dad house. was a total, total serious character. So yeah, some yeah. Comedic relief <laughs> yeah, some comedic relief. Yeah, some comedic relief. Yeah, and then I've got three brothers, you know, so. And finding I think, your space in there. Yeah, claiming yeah. my space in there, you know, and then standing out, you know, as the cut up. But I do think, you know, moving around in a military family, you kind of have to figure out when you're moving into a new environment what your place is going to be you know and right. you know, so for me that was the 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 funny kid were you in a lot of different schools i mean did was your yeah. dad stationed multiple times during your childhood then? yeah absolutely so i've boy i lost count how many but you know we moved probably eight or nine times growing up so every every two to four years we'd move so so crazy. you have you're developing this personality that you're going to be able to kind of win friends and influence people with your humor yeah, yeah. And it's funny in a way because the other thing going on with me is that I was always – I'm tall. I'm like 6'5", you know, which now I love, you know. But growing up, you know, I think anybody anybody at that age growing up, if they're different, they feel, feel – they, yeah. they want to they fit in, right, you know. And right. so, so for me, being the one that stood out physically was always a little uncomfortable for me. So I always like to kind of blend in. So I feel like there was this weird thing for mm. me where it's like – there was a part of me that loved to entertain people, but I kind of didn't like to be in front of them when I did it, you know, which was maybe why I wow. was attracted to puppetry, you know, because I could kind of hide behind the curtain. To understand that, that tells me that you've done a lot of thinking of about and processing like how you've become who you are today. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's something, and I think we all think about those things, but maybe yeah. not. Maybe maybe people don't stop long enough to go, wait a minute, what may, yeah. because I love that combination of like, you felt uncomfortable because of your height. Yeah. Yet you had this ability to make people laugh and entertain and be the cut up. Right. So you were finding that behind the scenes. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot of, you know, because people with Larry, they're like, oh my gosh, Larry is such an, an extrovert. And every once in a while, I'll meet somebody and they're, you know, maybe expecting me to be like that, you know, personality in, in person, but I'm much more kind of maybe <laughs> laid back and reserved. It's like, you know, hey, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, I'm actually kind of more of an introvert. Is it you like know? that a lot for you? I mean, throughout your career, because of Larry the Cucumber and all the different things you've done and like the boisterous nature of your characters and the crazy songs you're writing. So people, is it like a party trick that people are expecting you to, to pull out? <laughs> is there a pressure that you felt over the years because of that? You know, the funny thing is, is actually no, because it doesn't happen that often. It is the advantage of being famous as an animated character because people typically do not know who right. I am. And, okay. you know, and so the times that I do get to, you know, pull out the party trick and, you know, dance, <laughs> you know, it's fun, you know? So it's like, you know, just seeing the look on people's faces and it's great, you know, but I, I've often thought, you know, like if you're really well known on site, if you go out to dinner with your wife and, yeah. you know, I'm sure people recognize you all the time and it's like, okay. And it's nice. You like that. But then there's that sense of, okay, I can't have privacy in public. Christian music's different though. It's interesting. Interesting because it's a bizarre type of recognition, right? We're yeah. not on, we're not on the cover of People magazine. Yeah, I always describe it like this: it's like I could walk into the 
First Baptist Church, and everybody would know me. Yeah. But then I could walk across the street to, you know, Outback Steakhouse. And yeah, yeah. Nobody would. It's, and yeah. It's, so it's almost the worst situation, though, because uh-huh. you never expect expect to get recognized yeah and then you just get recognized at weird times not to <laughs> yeah, say that yeah. i'm not on my best behavior but, <laughs> but i remember one time i was uh i was on a plane uh-huh. and my wife was with me and the flight attendant was being really rude uh-huh. and they were trying to separate us and we had our little we had a little kiddo at the time and yeah, we yeah. were like i'm not gonna let my little kid sit by herself yeah they screwed yeah, yeah. up the tickets and yeah, yeah. you know high tension in the aisle. Right. Yeah, 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 Everybody's yeah, yeah, been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, like, finally, one of the passengers was kind enough to let my daughter sit with me. Yeah. And I just lost my cool. And I said to the flight attendant, after we had figured out the solution and she was no help. Yeah, yeah. She was incredibly rude. I was like, hey, thanks a lot for your help. <laughs> oh, and she man. goes, oh, no problem. And I said, uh, no, I was being sarcastic. You were no help at all. <laughs> and my wife looked at me like, why? And, and so, and I, it, but it felt real good to say that. I'm not <laughs> Just to get it off your chest. So yeah. I sit down uh-huh. and my wife's sitting behind me. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, about five minutes into the flight, I hear my wife talking to the people next to her. And she yeah. goes, oh, oh, you do? Oh, oh that's so sweet. Turns oh. out they're being behind telling how much a fan of my music they are. Oh, she's doing damage control. (laughs) Damage control is right. But, uh, and then the other day we go to the, we're at the beach and like, I've had two days, not one person says anything to me. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm walking by the pool Uh and someone's like, Matthew! And I'm uh, like, and it was, and it happened to be a friend who I used to know from uh, family Christian stores or something. Yeah, but it was yeah, just yeah. bizarre right, to yeah, be yeah. recognized in a weird yeah, time, you know. Luckily, yeah. I had the guns out. You know, <laughs> I was feeling really good, exactly. Mike. So I'm curious, did you grow up in a Christian home? I grew up in a Catholic home. And more Catholic, it just in terms of traditions. So Naraki is a Polish name. Nawrocki, it's a good Polish Catholic name. So that was my kind of my heritage growing up. So involved with the church. But for me, it was never really, it was more just a social kind of expectation thing. And so right. we, we go to mass every once in a while. Um, but I remember my dad got transferred. We were living in Colorado in the Denver area. He got transferred to Washington, D.C. for one of his deployments. We couldn't sell our house right away. And so he had to go without, you know, move on without us. And he lived with this commanding officer hmm. uh, for, you know, a number of months before we sold our house and rejoined him. But uh, in that time, his his commanding officer was a believer. And, you know, my dad just came to know the Lord, had this conversion experience. Oh, cool. And so when we joined up with him in Washington, D.C., we had a brand new dad. It was like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? I mean, he was completely transformed, you know, from this really stern, you know, military guy to this really, you know, just broken, you know, loving, you know, person. Wow. It was really, really a, a very evident transformation. And over the course of the next year or two, our whole family came to Christ in various ways. That's and f- powerful. It was really neat. And for me, it was, we started going to a little church near our house there in D.C. It was Christian and Missionary Alliance Church and Franconia Alliance. I remember the name of it. And, you know, I just felt really accepted. And, you know, they had a little youth group there, loved, loved getting involved. And then for me, I was watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV with my dad when I accepted the Lord. And so that's, you know, we're probably in seventh grade. Mike, we are kindred spirits. Oh, yeah? yeah? Oh, man. So how old are you? Uh, 13, I think. Okay, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so on every episode of this podcast, and I didn't even prep you for this, yeah. on every episode of the podcast, one of the questions I ask every guest is, uh-huh. tell me your blue couch story. And then yeah. I unpack the significance of it. And for yeah. me, 
it was a blue couch sitting in a blue couch on a blue couch in my childhood home of Downers uh, Grove, Illinois. Yeah. Coming home from school, turning yeah. on the TV, yeah. looking for a Cubs game, and yeah. I found a Billy Graham crusade. Wow. And so, and how guess about how old that? I was? I was 13 years old oh my when I asked Jesus into my heart, wow. and my mom was sitting next to me. Wow, So I just dude. get chills I'm, now. Oh, man, I'm getting chills and watering was, up myself. Yeah, I was going to wow. ask you yeah. your blue couch story, Yeah, and, and there yeah. it is. Like, we have that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I yeah. mean, Billy Graham. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, here we are. Yeah. Us, both of our lives impacted by his ministry. Yeah. But more significantly, your life being impacted by the transformation in your dad's life. Yes. That yeah, is yeah. such a powerful story. Yeah. And how yeah. proud is your family of you? Uh, you know what I mean? They probably, you know, is your dad still living or is he passed? He he is. He's still living. And it's tough because he's starting to, you know, suffer from dementia. And he, he lives near my, my younger brother in the, the Colorado area. Yeah, he's just, he's a wonderful, wonderful person. But to get to see his son oh, yeah, go yeah. on and impact culture in a totally different idiom than a Billy Graham, but with a much the same heartbeat and impact yeah. Yeah, for generations. Yeah. I mean, you've... I know you were joking about haunting people's dreams into adulthood with silly songs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but more more significantly than that, I mean, your music, your characters, you have literally stepped into one childhood after the other, and probably children's homes who, you know, so many of them didn't have a dad who got saved, yeah, or, yeah, you yeah. know, and literally introducing one child after the other about the love of Jesus yeah. in a unique and creative way. I can't imagine how proud your family oh. is of you. Oh, Matthew, thank you so much. I Every once in a while, I'll run into people that, that say, hey, I... I met your dad on an airplane, and he gave me a oh, business card. Every time my dad would come, he he had this box of old business cards, you yeah. know, with an old you know business address on them, yeah. you know, just with the big idea and the Veggie Tale stuff on. Uh, and he had me just sign the back, and then he would just he'd be our little ambassador whenever you travel, handing them out. And I, I hear from people all the time, like, "Oh, I met your dad." I'm always intrigued by somebody's decision in the arts to create something faith based, something yeah. that is going to really be in effect ministry driven right and right. i'm not saying it's non-for-profit right yeah, i mean right. but whether it's christian music or christian films yeah. i know you're surrounded with some incredible people we're going to talk about that too yeah at your new role as a yeah. professor yeah but was there ever a point where you were thinking you know maybe this is just the next pixar or this is the you know why why was it important for you to have yeah. it have a faith component well so Saved at 13, when I was a junior in high school, I went forward at a youth convention with the church that I was with and dedicated my vocation to ministry. At the time, you know, I mentioned I was pre-med. You know, I had this love of music and entertaining, but I didn't think that that was... I had no like model. Yeah, yeah. I had no model that that's something I could do. So no real expectation well, that that and, is something... And there really wasn't a model in the Christian, like, inter like yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, as far as the yeah. Christian arts or entertainment, right. I mean, it was kind of the puppet ministry the, the puppet team thing, at the yeah. church when you were or, in college. Yeah. Or being a pastor, you know, uh, right. it's like, a you children's can, yeah, pastor or yeah, something yeah. Or something like that. Like that. So, so, Gosh. and I didn't, I didn't feel like that's what my calling was. And so I looked around at, you know, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a nurse. My older brother at the time was a, was a chemistry major. So I'm like, okay. So in my 17 year old brain, I'm like, what can I do for God? I can be a missionary doctor. So that's wow. what I'll do. So that's the course that I headed out on. I talk about, when I talk about my story, Proverbs 16, nine, man makes his plan, but the Lord, Lord directs his, his, yeah. his, his path. And so, um, so that was my plan, but God obviously, you know, tied into 
you know, my giftings and my talents and provided the opportunity for me to do this thing that I would have never imagined. I mean, who dreams of growing up being a, an animated cucumber, <laughs> you know, for, for Jesus. <laughs> From a young boy. <laughs> From a young boy. I always knew. <laughs> I always ate my vegetables and I knew. That's yeah. crazy. So do you miss anything about the medical field? I mean, obviously you're incredibly bright. I'm going to guess that you had a uh, pretty high SAT scores. I mean, if you're pre-med and then graduated... Yeah, you got yeah, your degree. Yeah. yeah, I got my degree. I, I double majored in biology and history. Come on, and wow. I, I picked history because I loved, you know, and I think that has served me so well just in writing, you know, over the years. Um, but yeah, it's like Wait, I, I always loved unpa- unpack that. Like it served you well in writing. In How? writing, well, so part of the word is story, you know, and so just in terms of narrative, the very first Veggie Tales episode I wrote and directed was Madame Blueberry, um, which was based off of a novel, Madame Bovary, that I read in a French history class in college. And there's your parody. (laughs) There you go. Okay, so that that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the wider your awareness of key historical moments or great fiction. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's a really big part now uh, as my role as a professor, what we talk about. I I co-teach a a class called Career Creativity. At what school? At Lipscomb University in in Nashville, Nashville. Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, such a, a key component of that class is the idea of the artist as the explorer. Really what creativity is, is gathering parts and putting them together in new and interesting and valuable ways. That's great. And so a key component of an artist is to explore what's out there and learn as much as possible to get parts on the table. And the more parts you have on the table, the more things you have to combine uh, to create new things, you know? Yeah. And so, and so that's why I think there's no type of education that's lost and it's such a great it just time. Gives you more to pull from. It just gives you more to pull from. So whether you're a biology major or a history major or whatever, I think, you know, that's, it feeds a key component for ultimately being creative. You guys, with all the stuff that I'm juggling these days, I have learned the importance of finding the right people and putting them in the right place to help me, whether it's with the podcast or the music I'm making or the management company I've started. And I have spent so much time searching for the right people. Well, let me tell you something. If you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you're wasting your time. Indeed.com is the hiring site. They help you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some other hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. There are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. Now, this is what Indeed does. They search through millions of resumes so you don't have to. They've got them in their database and they'll help show you great candidates instantly with Instant Match. You see a great list of candidates with zero weight. Now, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's pretty awesome. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. Indeed.com slash West. The offer is valid through March 31st. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash West. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. 
My friends, you've heard me talk during this podcast on different occasions about how I'm trying to be as health conscious as possible these days. The whole West family is. And one of those areas where I'm typically kind of lazy is in getting in my multivitamin routine, you know? But these days, I want to make sure that my family and I are getting all the nutrients we need and we're staying as healthy as possible, right? Our bodies are a temple. Now, I've done some research, I've done some digging, and this is what I found. My new favorite, Ritual. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that our bodies can actually use. Ritual is basically the multivitamin reimagined. A multivitamin needs to contain key nutrients in forms that our bodies can use to help fill the gaps in our diet with no shady extras. Ritual's delayed-release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3 in just two daily pills. Now check this out. Ritual makes healthy habits easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You start, snooze, or cancel your subscription. You can do that anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within the first month, they're going to refund your first order. So you got nothing to worry about. You can get key nutrients right now with Ritual and they're offering my listeners, that means you, 10% off during your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash west to start your ritual today. Were your kids part of your like beta testing when you were creating concepts? Like, so the what were the ages of your kids at peak Veggie Tales uh, development and creation? Oh, they were right in it. So my daughter was born in '98, which is right around the time that Veggie Tales really started to to take off. You know, '97, '98 is when it really started to take off. Do and you then, think that had to be like a contributing factor? Like you're in it from a oh, dad yeah. standpoint oh, too. Oh yeah, just yeah, in yeah. terms of, I mean, talk about what to pull from. I mean, oh, there's just. I- Absolutely. Yeah. Both in terms of like, you know, just what parents are going through from a you know humor <laughs> standpoint to like the topics that you want to deal with with your own kids and incorporate into a show, right. you know, and the right. lessons. So and no, how to it was get great. their attention. And oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're, and you're probably no parent is ever more aware of the entertainment landscape for infants and children than when their kids are right at that age. Right. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. It's mean, why I was at the Ryman not to see an awesome show, but to uh-huh. see the Wiggles. <laughs> and guess who's sitting in the front in the row right in front of me? Keith Urban. <laughs> That's <laughs> me awesome. and Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman oh, yeah, at yeah. the Wiggles. True story. <laughs> oh, I would have much rather been at a VeggieTales show. <laughs> That's amazing, though. Oh, so man. you're trying ideas, trying voices with your kids, things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember the house that we had in Downers. It had like a a bathroom that connected to the hall and then to an office and then went around. And I remember every once in a while, I'd be in the bathroom on the other side, my daughter, and I'd, I'd be speaking to her as Larry, you know, through the door. And she'd have <laughs> these great. conversations with Larry. And then I'd walk out to the other side, like, who are you talking to? To Larry. He's, oh, in, he's in the bathroom. What kid so, gets to say that? that that's part of their childhood. It was so great. It, and it, just the suspension of disbelief was amazing because, you know, she would really, and, and then even, you know, sitting there with a, like a Larry plush talking to her and, you know, kind of doing the voice oh yeah she'd be dialed into larry the cucumber well i'll never forget we uh when we first moved into the same neighborhood as you Uh uh, you may not remember this but it was such a kind gesture and it was also a way to to get my children severely hooked on (laughs) on uh, your shows but you at one point delivered 
the like entire library of yeah, Veggie Tales DVDs. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I just thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> and uh, my family obviously loved it ever since then. I want to ask one more Veggie Tales related question, and then I want to talk about your new series. But I know my favorite silly song, other than the one that you cast me to sing in, uh-huh. I love the uh, Cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I think yeah. that's just a sweet love song that uh, <laughs> just speaks the language of love, like like nobody else. But I, what I personally love is the uh, the way that vocal was delivered. Like there was such oh, a oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just like I mean, just the angst in the voice. Um, but I yeah. want to know if there's a favorite. If you had to pick a favorite silly song that you've composed over the years oh man do you have a favorite or is there a top three i think gated community is up there for me just because it's with matthew ward yeah with matthew ward man (laughs) so because it's just so well sung it's like oh this is just so pretty to listen Uh, to but it's also kind of it's a bit of a almost like a bit of a social commentary too and all that so it's kind of like subversive you know so so i like that element of it um i like belly button a lot which is the boys in the sink it's like larry's boy band so that's that's a fun one um (laughs) and and then uh cheeseburger is great barbara manatee's a fun one if there was a top of the charts for silly songs yeah 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 yeah, radio equivalent what would that be for like from the public perception standpoint it typically ends up being the hairbrush song either either the hairbrush song which is the very first silly song that i wrote so i peaked early (laughs) (laughs) but you were not a one hit wonder (laughs) and then um and then the pirates who don't do anything also comes up too i mean that's such a great and what's going to be great about this is people are going to leave this podcast Uh, and they're going to go dig those up oh yeah yeah, 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 so so you're you clearly did not peak at VeggieTales, and your mind does not keep it doesn't stop creating. I love the title, by the way. I'm a big title guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead Sea Squirrels. Yeah, Dead Sea Squirrels. I'm always good with that <laughs> that bad pun. I'm just running with the bad pun. <laughs> so. so the Dead Sea Squirrels. Now this started with a book. You've released a series of books. Right. There's six books out currently. There's two books coming out in April, and then eventually there'll be twelve. So they're done through Tyndale Publishing. Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Anywhere you buy books, Christianbook.com. Uh, so you know, go t- buy all Tyndale. six. I'm sure yeah. you, they they get a discount. Right, I'm sure if they buy. Oh all yeah, six. you buy you buy all six, you get a discount, and they're not. Expe- <laughs> I mean, they're they're like they're Captain Underpants size. So it started off for me actually probably a dozen years ago as an idea for an animated series. So it was when we were working on Veggie Tales. One of the issues with Veggie Tales is because the characters were vegetables and sort of we retold Bible stories in sort of a respectful but sometimes irreverent way, you know, obviously. <laughs> but one of the lines that we drew in the sand was to never depict Jesus as a vegetable, you know. So we just felt like that'd be that'd be going too far, you know. <laughs> it's like which one would he be? I love, I love you know? that that's the line in the sand. I love that there was there had to be like a staff meeting. <laughs> oh yeah, like there the, were several the, staff the meetings. Bigger than the Veggie Tales, uh, you know, empire grew. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> this, this team of board members going, well, if he was going to be a vegetable, what kind of vegetable would Jesus be? <laughs> That's right. And then somebody would obviously not, you know, oh, like to that be type a of fly vegetable, on the yeah. wall in those conversations would be great. But the idea was, you know, okay, so there's this ensemble cast of characters who are putting on Bible stories, but Jesus was off, off not, limits. Off really. limits just yeah. because, you know, it's just, just too holy. And so we were not going to do that. Right, um, and right. so we couldn't really do a lot of New Testament stories. So it's like, what would be a great vehicle? to tell New Testament stories. Ah. A lot of what people have done with stories is they they go back in time and, you know, they tell the stories back in time. But I thought, wouldn't it be cool to bring characters from that time into the modern day 
uh, yeah. to, to be able to do that in the same way that, you know, an archaeological find like the Dead Sea Scrolls could come forward and reveal the past, you know. So so then here's this pun that, that then starting to form. So so the squirrels, these Dead Sea Scrolls, what if they kind of like Encino Man were, yeah. <laughs> were, were frozen in time, brined or, you know, yeah. uh, frozen in sea salt? you know, in the Dead Sea Caves, <laughs> if they came forward and the ancient wisdom that they would have from seeing Jesus and the apostles and, that's you know, and, and their ministry. Yeah. And so, so that's the concept. So Michael is a 10-year-old kid who is, his dad's an archaeologist, so he's spending the summer at the Dead Sea on a dig with his dad, and he's brought his best buddy Justin with him, and they're exploring a cave actually against his dad's wishes, who's told him never to go into a cave without an experienced guide. And there's a whole lesson in the first episode about, you know, uh, honoring your father and mother. Mm. They're exploring a cave, you know, nearly get lost, but they run across these two salt-encrusted dehydrated squirrels. <laughs> and Michael is like, what are these doing here? They're they're awesome. Justin thinks they're disgusting. But Michael stashes them in his backpack and sneaks them back home with him to, to Tennessee as souvenirs. He leaves them up on his dresser with the window open. They get rained on, come back to life, and you know there are a Jewish couple, Merle and Pearl, Merle and Pearl, <laughs> Merle and Pearl who uh, who lived during the time of Christ. But Michael, a fifth grader, you know, is going through the stuff that fifth graders go through, and they're speaking into his life as these sort of these grandparently figures, you know, uh, based off of you know Jesus's stories and, and and life. So that's sort of the concept. And so when I left Big Idea in 2016 full time, and the reason I did that was not because I wanted to, but the business model for VeggieTales home video just went away. Nobody buys DVDs anymore. And right, so it just totally yeah, it's all it's it's sense. yeah, it's all streaming. And so VeggieTales was bought by DreamWorks and I worked with them with DreamWorks for a number of years and then uh, they were purchased by Universal. And when that happened, I left and went to my friend Dan Lynch, who um, is my agent and I said, Hey here, I've got this idea for an animated series. And he said, Hey, have you ever thought about that as a book series? Because his background is in publishing. I'm like, no, I really haven't. So I went off and did some research and then kind of developed it into this idea um, you know, that could work with with early reader books. And he said, Oh, I'm having lunch with my friend uh, Linda from Tyndale. Would you mind joining us? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. I'll you know love to meet her. And so um, we're having lunch and he's like, Hey Mike, tell Linda about your dead sea. And I just sort of like, oh no, this is a pitch. I did not prepare for this. It's uh, kind of an impromptu Yeah, it's just pitch. kind of a impromptu pitch. Yeah. So so I pitched it and she loved it. So Tyndale flips over the idea. Did they ask you how many do you have in you? Or or how does that work? Like, how does it become a series of six? Or is that yeah. typical in the youth? It was actually, Dan suggested to me, you know, why don't you develop a slate of six? Because it is, it, that made it more attractive to the publisher to saying, okay, we have a series, we have a series of books that we can build off of here. Because in that, in that category, in early reader, you know, that's a great number. That's evidently. cool. So, yeah. and, and it's a world that I don't really come from, but I kind of charted out the general storyline, story arc of six books, because I didn't want each of them to be self-enclosed. I kind of wanted to draw like a larger narrative because I'm being influenced by, you know, a lot of the streaming stuff and the way that stories are being told in more of the long form now. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be great to do something cool. like this? Yeah. And so I drew out like the, the longer arc of maybe a, a six story story. That's what I pitched and then uh, drilled into each one cool. of the six books as I went along, Yeah, you know, kind of developed that. So each book has a cliffhanger and there's a kind of an overall narrative that's going on. I love it. And then by the end of six, there's a really big cliffhanger and then it's wrapped up. The whole thing is wrapped up at the end of book 12. So the squirrels are... I don't want to give anything away, oh, but man. yeah, yeah, I don't want to give anything away. But but the the last six books actually end up back in Israel, 
where Michael's trying to get the squirrels back. In doing so, he's retracing the life and ministry of Jesus, Gosh, where you know great. from you know Nazareth to Bethlehem to the Jordan where he was baptized, back up to Galilee, and then Jerusalem for Easter. And oh, so, that's so creative! That's so, awesome. So it's a way to you know in modern Israel. Because I, I was a big map kid when I was, you know, like reading The Hobbit and stuff like, oh, where did this happen? And I, I remember yeah. hearing stories of the Bible. It's like, okay, you know, I don't really know where these things happen, but to be able to, you know, kind of lead kids on an adventure to oh, kind of sh- awesome. to show that. And then the major points of the Christian faith, you know, the conception and the baptism and resurrection of yeah. Jesus, you know, it's all, it's great to be able to tell that in a story, you know, couched in this fun little squirrel's tale. Squirrel's tale. Yeah. Squir- I see what <laughs> oh, you did there. I, I was totally by accident. I just love, it's like, here's a, you know, generations of kids, you know, being brought to Jesus through vegetables and now generations more will be introduced to uh, Jesus through uh, dehydrated. <laughs> what were they? You might you, dehydrated. It's, it's, de- dehydrated. It's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. There you go. So the plan is: I watched this awesome video, and I want everybody listening to the podcast to go to DeadSeaSquirrels.com. Google will take you to the home site for yeah. for everything that you're doing because like you said it's the six books right now that are available yeah. but beyond that this is becoming an animated series yeah 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 and yeah you cast the vision for it in a really cool video because you have some really unique partners that are teaming up with you to create this yeah. one who's who's uh, been a really well-known figure in the um, Christian music and film yeah base with Steve Taylor who's yeah. also a professor at the university with you now yeah and I'd love to tell that story because Steve and I worked together on some veggie tales projects he also did a silly song and then uh, wrote oh. wrote a couple of songs for both the Pirates movie and the Jonah movie okay yeah so okay. so I'd worked with him and grew up a huge fan of his as well and so when I left Big Idea back in 2016, I met with Steve just to kind of say, hey, what's going on? And he was telling me about what he was doing at Lipscomb and starting a film school there. And he asked me if I was, you know, interested in teaching. And I'm, you know, actually, I kind of, I have thought about that before. I would be something I'd be interested in. And so I met with them and the dean of the school and heard about everything that they were doing there in their arts program, which I just fell in love with and ended up enrolling in the Masters of Fine Arts program there in film, so which is a program that they offer there. So you got your Masters from Lipscomb? Yeah, I got my Masters from Lipscomb. So was in the community and, you know, as a student, but then as an artist in residence. And and we're building this thing up. Tom Bancroft, who I worked with at Big Idea before, but before that he was a Disney animator, animated on The Lion King, Young Simba, designed, you know, Mushu and animated Mushu for Mulan. He runs the animation program there. Brown Bannister runs the music program. Great music producer. He produced several records for me. Yeah. And so the vision of the dean there, Mike Fernandez, in, in the school administration is just great. I mean, they're they're really, you know, taking advantage of being in Nashville, being at a Christian university right. to say, how how do we as Christians, you know, raise up the next generation of artists? And uh, it's just uh, such a pleasure to be a part of it. And so with, with Steve now, you know, Steve and I got talking about the squirrels. It's like, well, how could we, we've got the animators right here. And so we went out and raised um, money for a pilot. So in Making the pilot using faculty as leads and then top students. So storyboarding is one of the big things you do in animation. So from the theater students, we cast the voices for the scratch track for what's called the animatic. So we brought in students who recorded all the voices, some of which we they made their way to final. The students were so good. It's like, this this is a great voice. We're going to keep this voice in the final. You hear that, kids? If you go to Lipscomb University, you might land. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that what you create is going to be high quality, not only because of the great people that you're 
working with, but uh, just because of what's in inside your brain and how it always seems to come out in a way that just uh, it points people to Jesus, it makes them laugh, and uh, you've avoided a great career pitfall, which would have been to animate Jesus as a vegetable. So <laughs> you, you also show great discernment in that. Um, uh, so last question then, are you the voice of Merle? Is it Merle and Pearl? Yeah, the voice of Merle. I do do the voice of Merle. You're the voice yeah. of Merle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah, we yeah. get, can I get just a little taste of, of uh, if Merle the Squirrel was at the Story House on the Matthew West podcast, <laughs> if he was introducing the podcast and telling people that they're listening to the Matthew West podcast, what would that sound like? Oh boy! So I, Merle is not as comfortable for me yet as Larry. So, so maybe, oh, oh Matthew! All right, Matthew! All right, we're gonna be, we're gonna be. This is gonna be a great show. He's got all that like little, that. little bit of that old hey, Hollywood, yeah, a little bit of old Hollywood That's flavor good. to him. That's good. I <laughs> so. love it. I can't wait to meet Merle when this series gets created. And Mike, this has been so much fun. Let's go write a silly song, <laughs> Matthew. This is such a blast. Thank you so much. Hey, now it's time for Songs from the Story House. Today's song from the Story House, in keeping with the spirit of today's guest, Mike Naraki, the co-creator of VeggieTales, we're going to highlight a silly song that was sung by yours truly. Say that five times real fast. A silly song that was sung by yours truly. This is Gated Community featuring... Well, Matthew West animated as a zucchini or something maybe more like squash-like. It was definitely not a flattering picture. Check it out. And now it's time for Silly Songs with Larry, the part of the show where Larry comes out and sings a silly song. There once was a boy who lived in a house and the house sat under a tree. By the tree ran a fence that stretched far and wide Round the gated community Can I have my ball? Can you get my ball? I kicked it into the tree And my ball bounced up And my ball dropped in To the gated community Oh, the gated community is where we like to be Everything's so lovely, oh, our hearts are filled with glee And when you come to visit, you can stand outside and see What a lovely bunch we are in our gated unity I have to say, this song was an absolute blast to record And I got to tap into my, I don't want to say classical roots Because they're not really roots, but my college education classical roots, if you will I was trained classically at a conservatory even though my major was in more contemporary commercial music, as a vocal performance focus, I had to learn how to sing in five different languages all of these classical pieces in order to graduate. Now, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a really hard time remembering the words, especially to the songs in German. I sang in German, Italian, Latin, and, and the other two. <laughs> Needless to say, the classical bug did not bite me, and I quickly moved on to pop music. But this was fun to return to a bit more of a classical approach. And isn't it ironic, Alanis Morissette, isn't it ironic that it would take a silly song with Larry the Cucumber for me to return to a more serious 
tone and timbre in my voice. You know, I'm going to get out of the way and just let this song speak for itself. Enjoy this silly song with me and Larry the Cucumber. What an honor it was. Dare I say this was the peak of my career? Check it out. Um, can I have my ball? Can you get my ball? I kicked it into the tree. And my ball bounced up. And my ball dropped in to the gated community. Oh, the gated community is where we like to be. Our clothes are never dirty and the lawns are always green. And when you come to visit, you can stand outside and see what a tiny bunch we are in our gated unity. The gated community, we think you will agree, is pleasantly devoid of unsightly screen and free. Free, free of debris. He's my dad and he gives good advice and that's why the last segment of every show is called Dad Advice. He is my dad and he gives good advice and that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, what's up? Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. We're unpacking these two words brand new here in the first few months of the year. We're taking a brand new look at our lives, a brand new look at our relationship with the Lord. So send us out with some brand new encouragement today. All right. I think I've got just the right one, and it, we're going to talk about a brand new strength. Good. And I, I think I'm not the only one that has felt my strength drained a little bit, oh, yeah. sapped a little bit. It's been a hard uh, year and a half. Oh, boy. This pandemic has, has uh, tested as well as all the other things that have happened on top top of it it just it's incredible and you see people feeling weak and weak in their faith and and hope our prayer is that many lives will be turned to god through this pandemic and realize that in their weakest moment they can't rely on their strength they have to turn to one greater and that's jesus christ and and that's our prayer and so i want to share three things about the strength here one, we need a brand new reliance on God's strength. We got to quit relying on our own strength, realizing our strength is limited and God's strength is unlimited. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, 8, he faced a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times and he only got one answer. God would not remove it. In fact, Paul said, Satan personally came and bothered me and went at me. And here's the answer he got from Jesus. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 12. You can look that up and, and study it more. But those words, my strength was made perfect in weakness. Secondly, God's strength removes man's or our 
fears. One of the biggest things that we have faced along with this pandemic is the fear that it brings. And fear drains our strength. Psalm 34, 1 The psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. And then the third thing to realize from strength and learn from this lesson, God's strength renews man's strength. Renew means to give fresh life or strength to Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 refers to waiting upon the Lord and you shall renew your strength. So I encourage you to look up those verses, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Three things about having a brand new strength. We need a brand new reliance on God's strength. God's strength removes our fears, and God's strength renews our strength. We have no reason to fear when we know the true source of our strength, and that's such a good reminder today. Hope whoever's listening to this and is feeling weary or maybe afraid because you can feel your own strength running out, just know that God's strength will never fail you. Another scripture that comes to mind is just remembering, I I look to the hills, where does my help come from? And that reminder, my help comes from the Lord. The true strength is found when we surrender and we know whose strength is greater than our own. His strength is perfect in our weakness. We all need that brand new strength every single day. Thanks, Dad. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Mike Naraki, for joining me and for letting us pick his brain about all things VeggieTales and animation and his new series, The Dead Sea Squirrels. I'm going to post a link to The Dead Sea Squirrels website at our official podcast page, which is, you know it by now, say it with me, matthewwest.com slash podcast. Say it again, matthewwest.com slash podcast. I also want to thank my dad, as always, for joining me with some brand new encouragement every single week with Dad Vice. Dad, you're the best. Hey, if you want to hear more about our ministry, Pop Wee is the name of the ministry. You can find a link at the official podcast page. We would love to include you in our mailing list. We send out a weekly devotional free of charge just as a way of encouraging you in your journey of faith. Every single week, you'll get an email from me and my dad with some scripture and a reminder that God has great plans for you. So go to matthewwest.com slash podcast to find out more about Mike Naraki's new series as well as our ministry, Pop We. Now with that, go make the most of the one story that you get to write on this earth. It's your story for his glory. Don't you ever forget. Have a great week. I'll see you next week on the Matthew West Podcast. Seriously, I, I, I do.